What's going on, everybody? Welcome on in to the Matt Lombardo Show, the post-Super Bowl Matt Lombardo Show presented by Heavy on Sports. Of course, I am Heavy Sports Senior NFL Insider Matt Lombardo. Great to have you here coming off of what was really a thrilling Super Bowl, one, one of the best of our lifetimes, and we'll get into that. We're going to break it all down, get into all of the storylines, kind of my big picture takeaways for both teams off of what happened in that game, where they go from here, some of the biggest challengers moving forward to the Kansas City Chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles in 2023 and beyond and a whole lot more. We have a big show, a fun show in store for you. A little bit later on, we'll chat with Detroit Lions Pepsi Defensive Rookie of the Year. Aiden Hutchinson will join us talking about what he was up to leading into the Super Bowl and why there should be a lot of optimism about the Detroit Lions moving forward from here. But first, as always, if you enjoy the podcast, we would really appreciate it if you went ahead and subscribed in the Apple Podcast Store, Spotify, SoundCloud, Spreaker, if you threw us a like on YouTube. And if you're a fan, if you've been a fan, if you enjoy the guests we have each week, if you're a fan of the analysis, please go ahead and leave us a five-star review in the Apple Podcast Store. Let us know what you like about the podcast, maybe a guest or two that you'd be interested in hearing from, and we'll go and bring them on because those five-star reviews, they really do help grow the show. But let's get right into it because off of that Super Bowl 38-35, to the Kansas City Chiefs knock off the Philadelphia Eagles. They take home their second Super Bowl ring in four years. And I know there's been a lot of debate about whether the Kansas City Chiefs are a dynasty or not. I'm here to break it to you. They officially are a dynasty. In, in the modern era, in the post-New England Patriots era of the NFL, and I don't know that we're ever going to see a run of success quite like the New England Patriots, who are the new measuring stick in sports as to what exactly a dynasty is. But in the NFL, when you look at what the Kansas City Chiefs have done, two Super Bowl rings in four years, three appearances in four years, they have gone to at least the AFC Championship in each of Patrick Mahomes' first five seasons as a starter. If that doesn't qualify as a dynasty in this era with the roster that's in place and the cap space that they have, roughly around $11 million to keep building around that quarterback who's already secured two MVPs and two Super Bowl MVPs, then I don't know what qualifies as a dynasty if the Kansas City Chiefs do not. And I don't see their window closing anytime soon. I know there was some of that talk. There were some whispers going into that game. Jay Glazer reported on Fox on the pregame show that Andy Reid would consider retiring after that Super Bowl. He, of course, dismissed those afterwards, both at the podium and with Peter King in his weekly column. But as long as Andy Reid is the head coach and as long as Patrick Mahomes is the quarterback, the Kansas City Chiefs are the prohibitive favorites in the AFC. It's the Kansas City Chiefs, the Cincinnati Bengals, and everybody else on that side of the bracket as far as I'm concerned. And I think that's what makes what the Chiefs are doing so significant and so special. You look at the teams and the quarterbacks that they've had to go through during this run. They had to, of course, go through Tom Brady in, in the playoffs multiple times in the AFC when he was with the New England Patriots. They had to knock off Joe Burrow in the AFC championship game, played him twice. They got through Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills a year ago. And on Sunday night in Glendale, they passed what was arguably their toughest test to date, beating the Eagles by a field goal and beating Jalen Hurts, who had an all-time performance in his own right. 
So the Chiefs aren't just going through some patsies. This isn't the Dallas Cowboys, you know, running through the NFC year after year after year where the only real competition was the San Francisco 49ers in their era. This isn't the super team of the Pittsburgh Steelers and Chuck Knoll and the, the Steel Curtain and Franco Harris and Terry Bradshaw, where it was the Steelers and basically nobody else in the AFC back in the day. This is the Kansas City Chiefs systematically getting through the best teams currently in the NFL, both on their side of the bracket and now in the Super Bowl, not once, but twice. And both of their Super Bowl wins are come from behind wins, comeback wins, which to me make them all the more significant, all the more special, and all the more meaningful and historic when you start looking at the best Super Bowls of all time. And I think that Sunday night, I really believe this, watching it unfold, the back and forth, the Eagles jumping out to the big lead, then, of course, the Chiefs answering back, punch for punch. This was a heavyweight bout. And when we look back on this game, it really feels like that was one of the top 10 Super Bowls of all time. And I think that it gets knocked down about half a peg because of how it ended, because of the holding call on James Bradbury that, in a lot of ways, similar to Logan Wilson and the Cincinnati Bengals last year, against the Rams, it really felt like that call in that moment, if it didn't decide the game, it played a significant role in determining the outcome. And I tweeted this on Sunday night in real time. By the letter of the law, by the book, that was probably defensive holding. And James Bradbury admitted it after the game. He said, quote, yeah, it was holding. I grabbed his jersey. I hoped that I would get away, for it, would get away with it. And you have to respect him being that upfront and honest and forthright about it. And by the letter of the law, by the book, that was probably defensive holding. But if I'm the official, it felt tic-tac. It felt like a tic-tac call, especially given the fact that the pass was 10 yards over the receiver's head. Now, maybe Patrick Mahomes doesn't throw in that direction if he doesn't see the hold. Maybe if James Bradbury doesn't hold him, maybe he goes on and makes that catch. Maybe the hold disrupted him that much. But this is now two Super Bowls in a row where the officiating plays a, if not a starring role, they're a supporting cast of the Super Bowl and the conversation about the outcome coming out of it. But that's neither here nor there because I think that what happened in this game was that the Kansas City Chiefs experience rose to the occasion and they got the job done. We talked about it going in from the perspective of both teams, that it was going to be the team that protected their quarterback that won the battle along the offensive line, that was going to win the game and hoist the Lombardi Trophy. And what happened? The Eagles blitzed on something like 22% of their snaps. It was one of their highest blitz rates in a single game all season. And they didn't breathe on Patrick Mahomes in the pocket. They didn't sack him. I believe it was only one quarterback hurry by the Eagles' defense. This is a defense that had 70 sacks in the regular season. The Chiefs' offensive line did their job. And Patrick Mahomes, when he has time, he's the best in the business. So to me, that game, as we all thought that it was going to be going into it, that game was won in the trenches along the line of scrimmage. And it was the Kansas City Chiefs offensive line that dominated the Eagles front seven from first whistle to final gun. And that's why the Chiefs are the Super Bowl champions. And I think that when you look forward, for the next three to four years, at least in 2023, there's a reason they are the favorites to repeat next year. It's hard to get back. And I think the Eagles are still 
probably up here in the NFC, and then the 49ers and Cowboys are down here. I think the Eagles are still the deepest and most talented team on the NFC side of the bracket. But the road to the Super Bowl still runs through two cities, in my opinion, Kansas City and Cincinnati. The Chiefs are the champions. They got the job done. Patrick Mahomes had a terrific performance that we'll get into a little bit later on. And as long as Andy Reid's the head coach, and as long as Patrick Mahomes is the quarterback, Kansas City is rightfully considered the favorite to go to the Super Bowl out of the AFC. But one team that I think could be a sleeper team to watch next year is the Detroit Lions. And leading up to the Super Bowl, I had the opportunity to sit down and chat with Aiden Hutchinson coming off one of the more dominant rookie campaigns that we've seen in recent memory on behalf of Courtyard by Marriott. Here's that conversation. We're now joined by Detroit Lions standout defensive end rookie superstar Aiden Hutchinson. Aiden's brought to us by Courtyard by Marriott and their sleepover at the Super Bowl contest. Aiden, how you doing, man? I'm good, man. How you doing? I'm doing great. Happy to chat with you here and seeing you out at State Farm Stadium getting ready for the Super Bowl. Uh, tell us more about what you have going on before the big game. Yeah, you know, I'm here with Courtyard by Marriott, the official hotel of the NFL. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm right here and they're, and they're showcasing the Courtyard Super Bowl sleepover suite. And, um, and pretty much they got one lucky uh, NFL fan who's going to stay here and, and sleep overnight and wake up on Super Bowl Sunday morning uh, to this great view I have behind me. And, uh, yeah, they get, it's, it's an experience of a lifetime. That's pretty cool. Once in a lifetime experience waking up at the Super Bowl and kind of a once in a lifetime experience for you. Nine and a half sacks as a rookie, a dominant season. Uh, you know, you're taking home the Pepsi Rookie of the Year honors. How does it feel to take home that award, especially over guys like Sauce Gardner and Jalen Petrie, Jordan Davis and a great rookie class? And you were as dominant as anybody in this draft class. Yeah, you know, I, it's such an honor. You know, that was uh, it was one of those awards I had on my list, and I'm so grateful and happy to to have been uh, to have been given it. And and uh, big shout out to all the fans who voted me uh, for that. And um, man, I'm, I'm fired up, and, and it just gives me a lot of uh, a lot of hype for next year. So I'm I'm pumped about it. And speaking of next year, the Lions were one of the hottest teams down the stretch, and you guys were alive up until the final week of the season. I'd love to get your thoughts on what clicked, what turned around over the second half of the year when you guys went on that run, and, and just how you feel about what the organization is building around you, around that defense, and a lot of offensive talent at wide receiver, especially. Yeah, you know, I, I think we're really building something in Detroit, and you know, we had a pretty rocky start, but um, we finished very well, and and I think that's going to give us a lot of momentum going into next year. We got everyone back on our team. We got, uh, you know, everyone's. No one's on their contract year, essentially. So, um, you know, I'm really excited. And I, I think I think we'll be a team to watch uh, in the NFL next year. And it really seems, Aiden, like you guys took on the persona and the personality of Dan Campbell. And, you know, we, we've all seen the public personality of Dan Campbell, fell in love with him at the press conference when he said that the Lions were going to eat kneecaps. And, of course, all the, the, the cool moments in Hard Knocks last summer – Tell us a little bit about Dan Campbell behind the scenes. What do you see from him in, in a Wednesday meeting or the night before the game? Maybe something that fans don't haven't been able to see or, or what makes him such a, a coach you want to run through a wall for? Yeah, you know, I think he's everything we need in Detroit. And he's one of those guys that has been such a staple for us. And talk about those Wednesday meetings. I mean, he's always kind of cracking it, putting in jokes, cracking jokes um, right at the end of the meeting as we're all getting out of there. So it's it's uh, you know, he's really been he's, he's been he's been great. And, you know, I love having him as a head coach and 
he works with the players so well. He's definitely a guy that the players, you know, want to have in there. And, you know, uh, he's, he's always got our backs and, uh, you know, it's been, it's been great to all of us. And you obviously, even as a rookie, you're in that conversation as one of the top defensive ends in the league. But when you look around the NFL, who are one or two defensive ends or edge rushers that you point to and and you look at them kind of as the standard bearer of the position? Yeah, you know, I think there's a lot of guys. You know, a, a lot of guys have been falling out. I mean, even watching the playoffs this year with, you know, Hassan Reddick, um, Osa. I mean, all these guys who are just fighting the league up, you know, it's 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 fun to watch and you know, I'm, I'm, I can't wait for for my time. I think it's it's coming soon. Yeah, your, your time kind of got shot out of a cannon. Nine and a half sacks, generating a lot of pressure. Who's your Who's your favorite quarterback to sack this year? Aaron Rodgers, no doubt. <laughs> that's going to play well in Detroit, that's for sure. So, <laughs> you know, talk to him about your defense as a whole because you know it seems like the talent is there. How do you guys elevate to that next level going into 2023? And what are some of your personal goals going into this season? You know, I think um, we just got to come together. And, and you know, I, you said it. We got all the talent in the world to get it done. We just got to uh, be on the same page and consistent and, and uh, consistent in what we do. And uh, I think if we do that, we're going to have a pretty dangerous defense. No doubt about it. So tell me one more time about the sleepover at the Super Bowl presented by Courtney by Marriott. Uh, what's the experience like? And I hear they might be doing something with it for the draft as well. Yeah, yeah. You know, well, I'm here and I'm I'm, I'm in it right now. And so I, I can tell you right now, it's it's going to be a really good experience uh, for them. And and uh, just looking at the view and they're staring, they've got front row seats right to the right to the stadium. So they right when they wake up, they look to their left and they got the stadium right in front of them. So, um, you know, the, those lucky winners that I know they're going to be very happy and thrilled when they see their, their setup they got here. He's Aiden Hutchinson, rookie standout from the Detroit Lions, brought to us by Courtyard by Marriott. Aiden, appreciate the time. Look forward to talking to you further up the road and best of luck in the offseason and the years to come. All right. Thanks, Matt. That was a lot of fun. And I really love that Aiden Hutchinson's favorite quarterback to sack as a rookie and without hesitation, he named Aaron Rodgers. And when I look at the Detroit Lions and down in Mobile, Alabama, in advance of the senior bowl, I had the chance to talk with some people in the Lions organization. We're talking, you know, high up in the organization. They are brimming with confidence about what they're building in Detroit. And it starts with Aiden Hutchinson. It starts with some of the talent that they have on defense. And it really starts with what they have on the offensive side of the ball with that running game, how dominant they were this year with Amon Ross St. Brown continuing to elevate his game, and Jared Goff really finding a rhythm, really turning a corner at the quarterback position, one area that they don't need to worry about. Now, I don't know that the Lions are going to make an NFC championship game or they're in a position to make a Super Bowl run in 2023, but I don't know that Detroit is all that far away. I don't know how many pieces away the Lions are, especially when you look at the division in Green Bay. All kinds of uncertainty around Aaron Rodgers' future as he goes into his darkness retreat, his isolation stay, to figure out his future and whether he wants to return to Green Bay, play somewhere else, or retire. The Bears, as much as I love Justin Fields and as bullish as I am on Chicago and on Justin Fields as their quarterback moving forward, the Bears need to surround Justin Fields with some talent. They need to go build an offensive line basically from scratch. They have all the cap space in the world to do it, the most cap space of any team in the NFL. They have to go get a wide receiver. They're probably going to draft a cornerstone defensive player at number one, number two, or number four, regardless of where they go on the clock. 
but they're still a ways away. And in Minnesota, I got to believe a teardown is probably coming, at least on the defensive side of the ball, because they have real cap issues. So why can't the Lions make a run? They went to week 18 very much alive for the NFL postseason. Why can't they take that step and maybe a half step more in 2023? We'll see. But as for the Super Bowl we just witnessed, Patrick Mahomes cemented his legacy as one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play the game in that game. And I firmly believe, and I have a column coming out about this, you can read it at heavy.com on Wednesday morning it drops. It might already be out by the time this podcast goes live. But I'm of the belief that Patrick Mahomes is already a Hall of Famer. And I spoke to half a dozen of the Hall of Fame selectors, the people, the men and women in the room who decide who's in the Hall of Fame and who is not. And it was almost unanimous that not only if Patrick Mahomes were to never play a down of football again, if he were to just stay in Disneyland and move into Walt Disney's former apartment above the Disneyland Fire Department in California, if Patrick Mahomes never stepped on the gridiron for another down, he walks into Canton as a Hall of Famer. Some of these selectors believe, and they went on record, that he's a lock first ballot Hall of Famer. And why not? You look at what he already has on his resume, the two Super Bowl wins, the two Super Bowl MVPs, the two regular season MVP awards. He has the single season passing touchdown record. He already holds the record for the highest. Mahomes already has the record for the highest quarterback rating in a career. You look at what Patrick Mahomes has done. And in this Super Bowl, he was certainly the catalyst for the Kansas City Chiefs. 21 of 27. 182 yards and three touchdowns, 93 yards and two of those touchdowns coming after halftime in the biggest moments of the game. That, to me, was a legacy-defining performance for Patrick Mahomes. Likewise for Andy Reid, and we're going to get into that a little bit later, but when you look at Patrick Mahomes and the trajectory and the arc of his career, coming off of that win against that team, against the Philadelphia Eagles defense that led the league with 70 sacks, against a fellow MVP candidate in Jalen Hurts, and an offense that was as prolific as it gets, to do what Mahomes did on one and a half ankles, it was a legacy-defining performance for Patrick Mahomes. And if he doesn't play another down of football and if his career ended today on Valentine's Day 2023, he's a Hall of Famer. Patrick Mahomes cemented his status as a pro football Hall of Famer, in my opinion, in that game. And you know what? His opponent in that game, Jalen Hurts, wasn't half bad either. You can make an argument, and certainly statistically speaking, that he was every bit as good as Patrick Mahomes was. And the news came out as we're recording this podcast that Jonathan Gannon, the Eagles defensive coordinator, is being hired as the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. And, you know, I look at what happened in that game to the Eagles defense, and I'm not so sure that if I weren't Marty Ossonfort, the GM of the Arizona Cardinals, if I weren't the Bidwell family, I don't know that I wouldn't have run into the arms of Eric Bieniemy or Mike Kafka and, and turn the other way and look the other way from Jonathan Gannon. Because when I look at Jonathan Gannon and his performance in that Super Bowl, I thought that with the extra week of preparation, I thought he came up flat. They certainly didn't adjust. Andy Reid and the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes won that Arizona Cardinals. If I weren't 
you can make an argument, and certainly statistically speaking, that he was every bit as good as Patrick Mahomes was. And the news came out as we're recording this podcast that Jonathan Gannon, the Eagles defensive coordinator, is being hired as the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. And, you know, I look at what happened in that game to the Eagles defense, and I'm not so sure that if I weren't Marty Austinfort, the GM of the Arizona Cardinals, if I weren't the Bidwell family, I don't know that I wouldn't have run into the arms of Eric Bieniemy or Mike Kafka and turn the other way and look the other way from Jonathan Gannon. Because when I look at Jonathan Gannon and his performance in that Super Bowl, I thought that with the extra week of preparation, I thought he came up flat. They certainly didn't adjust. Andy Reid and the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes won that chess match. They dominated. And Gannon, you know, I thought the Eagles defense certainly played at a historic level this year, but I don't know that they didn't perform at that level in spite of Jonathan Gannon rather than because of them and because of the talent that was in place. I mean, you look at all the talent, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, it's it's safety. James Bradbury and Darius Slay at cornerback. Hassan Reddick and Brandon Graham. Fletcher Cox, you get Ndamukongsu and Lumvel Joseph in the middle of the year. You're not getting that kind of talent in Arizona. You're not getting that kind of talent on that defense. And in the biggest game of his life, on the biggest stage in sports, I don't know that it would have been possible for Jonathan Gannon to come up any smaller. I mean, listen, they didn't record a sack of Patrick Mahomes in a matchup where pressuring the, the quarterback was paramount. They gave up three touchdowns in the red zone, two of which on the same play. And again, I, it might be crazy talk to turn the other cheek and turn away from a guy that you've been eyeing as a potential head coach after one loss, especially a loss to Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, and the Chiefs. But man, I just have to wonder how you walk in and explain that in your interview if you're Jonathan Gannon. If you're Jonathan Gannon, I'm not so sure how you explain away not making the adjustments after halftime and giving up not one but two touchdowns on the same play concept. And he'll walk in, and, and it's a pretty talented offense. Kyler Murray's there. DeAndre Hopkins is there. They have a solid running game, decent offensive line. I think there's opportunity in the NFC West. I think it's going to be a slow build for Arizona. But you know who didn't let the Philadelphia Eagles down? You know who cemented his status as one of the top quarterbacks in the NFL right alongside Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow? It's Jalen Hurts. When you look at what Jalen Hurts did in that game, finishing 27 of 38 for 304 yards with one touchdown, he rushed for 70 yards and three more touchdowns. Sure, he had the fumble that was returned for a touchdown, it might have been one of the difference-making plays in the game. But when I watched Jalen Hurts on Sunday night, it really felt like he had the kind of performance that put him in the conversation as the first MVP as the loser in the Super Bowl since Cowboys linebacker Chuck Howley back in Super Bowl five. I thought that's how good Jalen Hurts was. And here's the thing. When you look at Jalen Hurts, there's nothing to hang your head about in Philadelphia because Jalen Hurts is going to get better from this. He said it after the game, and I think what really came out as the quote of the night when he said, you either win or you learn from it. And knowing Hurts, I don't know how he doesn't get better from this, and I wouldn't be surprised if he's already out there lifting weights and throwing today, getting ready for next season, because that's just the kind of competitor kind of person that Jalen Hurts is. I've probably told this story in the podcast before. I've, I've written it in the column on heavy.com in the past. 
But I spoke with Jim Nagy back in September to kind of get a sense for, hey, just how good is Jalen Hurts? What makes him special? What's his ceiling? And he told the story about having Jalen Hurts down in Mobile for the Senior Bowl and how he threw when he was just about average, maybe a little above average in that game. And Jim gets on a plane, goes to the Combine, and Jalen Hurts was even better at the Combine. A couple weeks later, he gets drafted by the Eagles, goes to Eagles training camp, and he's even better from there. The point is Jalen Hurts gets better and better and better and has that growth mindset to improve every step of the way. At 24 years old, I don't know how Jalen Hurts doesn't get significantly better from here. And the Eagles, I know this for a fact, cannot wait to pay Jalen Hurts. Nothing about what happened in that game changes the opinion of Jalen Hurts in that organization. And they have been steadfast in their belief in Jalen Hurts as not only a franchise quarterback, but a top-tier quarterback in this league. And they're going to pay him as such. It wouldn't surprise me if sometime in the next three months before the NFL draft, it wouldn't surprise me if you see Jalen Hurts sign for somewhere between 40 and $45 million, and he's going to be worth every penny. Because the Eagles, to me, with Jalen Hurts, and as long as you have A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith and some semblance of that offensive line, they've done a really nice job, Howie Roseman and company have done, of building a two-deep along that offensive line that even if Jason Kelsey walks or retires, you have Landon Dickerson in there to, to step in and play, right? You, you have tackle depth. You have depth on depth at that position, but as long as Jalen Hurts is the quarterback, the Eagles are going to very much be in the Super Bowl mix. He's going to get better from here. But overall, one of the big reasons why I think the Chiefs are Super Bowl champions and the Eagles are not is I thought Philadelphia was overwhelmed by the moment. I thought that when you look at Nick Sirianni's performance all year long and you talk about the aggressiveness not only going forward on fourth down all the time, but going for the jugular on those plays. I thought he was overwhelmed by the moment, and I thought he blew it, flat blew it, on the fourth and two call from his own 32-yard line down 28 to 27. I thought that that was where the Eagles really lost that game. And, of course, the next punt, the ensuing punt after that possession, Kadarius Tony takes it down to like the five-yard line, the Chiefs punch it in, and that's all she wrote for Philadelphia. Get the confetti ready. Start printing up those Chiefs Super Bowl T-shirts. But I thought Nick Sirianni had his worst performance of the year in the biggest game of the year. And as much as Patrick Mahomes was the MVP, and he deserved to be, I really think that someone else won that game, won the Lombardi Trophy for the Kansas City Chiefs. And that's why I think that the final, the final Lombardo Trophy of the 2022-2023 football season, and, and potentially should have been the MVP of the Super Bowl, goes to Andy Reid. Because unlike the Eagles, who I thought were overwhelmed by the moment, who I thought really didn't rise to the occasion in the second half, Andy Reid coached circles around Nick Sirianni and certainly Jonathan Gannon. And, and why wouldn't he have? This was Andy Reid's fourth rodeo. He had been here three times before. Andy Reid was used to the 31-minute halftime as opposed to the 12- to 14-minute halftime that you typically get, and they took advantage of it. If you read Peter King's Pro Football Morning in America column on Monday, you know you read the anecdote about how they had the play call for that situation deep in the red zone, corn dog they called it. And on Saturday night before the game, there was some reporting that Eric Bieniemy showed a play from Doug Peterson and the Jacksonville Jaguars down near the goal line running a similar concept to the Chiefs play called Corn Dog. 
that work to perfection against the way the Eagles line up their corners in that situation. And they used it not once and scored, but twice and scored on each occasion. To me, that is a guy, and Reed, of course, admitted that they ran this play one time earlier in the year. But they dug that play up. They knew that it would exploit a weakness in Jonathan Gannon and the Eagles' defense. And they called it and dialed it up at exactly the right time. To me, those are the type of performances that define not only champions, but cement legacies. The Chiefs were three for three in the red zone. They were dominant inside the 20-yard line when it mattered most. And in the second half, they weren't rattled trailing at halftime. They weren't rattled. When you look at that game, when you look at that performance, they came storming back and they did what they needed to do in the second half in the game's biggest moments after Andy Reid's halftime adjustments, after his performances. When I look at now the top five coaches of all time, I don't know how you look at it any differently than Bill Belichick, Vince Lombardi, Bill Walsh, Don Shula, and Andy Reid. That's your top five. We talked about it a couple weeks ago down in Mobile going into this matchup that if Andy Reid won this game, that he's knocking on the doorstep of having somebody climb up Mount Rushmore to start etching that fifth head onto the mountain. Mount Rushmore has four heads. If you're going to carve a fifth into that mountain, it's Andy Reid. And it's not just because they won the game. It's not just because they have Patrick Mahomes. But Andy Reid's sphere of influence on the modern NFL game, going from taking Bill Walsh's West Coast offense to new heights and adding new wrinkles in Philadelphia after he identified Donovan McNabb as a franchise quarterback and went to four NFC Championship games in a Super Bowl, but then evolving further and mainstreaming the RPOs that you now see with Patrick Mahomes, who he also identified as a franchise quarterback and now has two rings with, rebuilding two franchises, taking two quarterbacks from two franchises to the Super Bowl, winning two rings with a coaching tree that includes Super Bowl champions Doug Peterson and John Harbaugh, with his coaching tree having success all across the NFL. Not only is Andy Reid, in my opinion, the Lombardi Trophy winner for the Super Bowl, the final Lombardi trophy, Lombardo Trophy of the season, but he's also the fifth best coach of all time. And he's one of the most influential coaches that we've seen in NFL history. And I don't know how you debate that after how this game played out and the way that the Chiefs came back to win. This has been a really fun show. Really enjoyed it. You know, you think back to this Super Bowl, and I think that we are going to remember the quarterback duel between Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes. You're going to remember, and I don't want this moment to get lost in the shuffle, but what, what McKinnon did on that final run, inside of a minute, he has the chance to go in and score a touchdown to have his moment in the sun and his glory of scoring a touchdown in the Super Bowl. And instead, he slides down at the one-yard line to force the Eagles to take their timeouts and give the Chiefs the better chance to have Harrison Buckner kick that game-winning field goal. To me, that was the ultimate act of selflessness. It was a great teammate moment. And it was a championship moment as well. So as much as the Lombardo Trophy goes to Andy Reid, Jerick McKinnon deserves his moment in the sun and recognition as well for that moment.
because that that took a lot of of, of self control not to score that touchdown here. But this has been a lot of fun. Really enjoyed the show. Really enjoyed this season. We're not going anywhere. We're going to be back. And, of course, this offseason has a lot of storylines upcoming between the NFL draft. We're going to have some NFL draft prospects rolling through here as guests in coming weeks. Free agency is about to kick into high gear. The offseason is full steam ahead. Thanks, as always, to Thomas Darrow. Did a tremendous job, as always, producing the show behind the glass. Thanks to Aiden Hutchinson. Really enjoyed the conversation on behalf of Courtyard by Marriott. If you enjoyed the podcast, please go ahead and subscribe in the Apple Podcast Store, Spotify, SoundCloud, Spreaker. Give us a like on YouTube. Leave those five-star reviews in the Apple Podcast Store. You can follow me on Twitter at Matt Lombardo NFL. Check me out on Heavy.com. And until next time, thanks for listening. I'm Matt Lombardo. We'll talk to you next week on the Matt Lombardo Show presented by Heavy Sports.